More with the Silicon Valley Mac User Group. This is Mac Voices. This edition of Mac Voices is supported by you, our viewers and listeners, through our Patreon and PayPal sponsorship options. To learn more, visit macvoices.com support. Welcome to Mac Voices. This is the talk of the Apple community, and I'm Chuck Joyner. This is part two in a two-part conversation, Mac Voices Live conversation, that Jeff Gamut, Jim Ray, and I had with the Silicon Valley Mac user group. In part one, we talked a little bit about some of these things that were important, we thought, in the uh, Apple WWDC keynote. This time, we follow through on some of those things, answer some questions, and take some feedback from the audience, and a lot more. So let's go right back to it with the Silicon Valley Mac user group. Um, I, I listen, I can't leave this part alone. I just, I got I have to say it. You're talking about running Mac apps on the iPad, but right now we can run iPad apps on the Mac. Right. So I just throw that out. You know, it just, you can, you can't. Right. Have the so I, I, I see it symmetrical either you way. Wanted to go, you wanted to go both ways. Okay. All right. Great. Um, so we have a couple things coming in from the chat room. Um, first of all, um, Jeff, now, this is interesting because this was this distinguishes it a little bit different differently from my question. What was what were some of your favorite things announced at Dub Dub? Favorite things? Uh, well, considering what my first answer was, I would uh, be remiss to not say that uh, that the uh, oh, I just forgot the name of it. Is it? Uh, it's not Control Center. It's um the the one that lets you use all of your desktops across all your devices oh right interchangeably what is the name of that um universal yeah. control right there we go there we go it's i mean the name makes sense but the words i think it's actually poorly named because even though i've been talking about universal control ever since the keynote which was what 2 weeks ago I I still have a hard time remembering that name, um, yeah. And anyhow, so that that was one of my favorite things. Uh, seeing shortcuts come to the Mac to me that was very exciting because there's uh, I mean there's there's a lot that I'm already doing with shortcuts, and uh, and one of the things that I'm looking forward to is actually crafting shortcuts on my Mac that I'm going to use across my devices. Uh, and that that would primarily be for things like um, like uh, uh, smart home control, and so anyhow that that was really cool. And then the new health sharing features, and well, and the health features in general. Uh, for example, being able to to track your gait with an Apple Watch, uh, being able to share. Uh, medical records and other health data with, uh, in my case, I'm visualizing it with other family members and, uh, and well, specifically being able to remotely monitor some, uh, whatever data my parents feel comfortable sharing with me since we're getting older. Um, the, there we go. That's enough for now because I, I bet Jim has some great answers too. I put shortcuts on the list too. Shortcuts for Mac, even though I haven't used shortcuts on iOS, but I think I'm going to start. Oh, you um, totally need to start. <laughs> well, I, you know, I I don't do work on my I, iOS devices, so you know, I don't I don't have these structured 
you know, things I do over and over again. Maybe I'll find out that, oh, yeah, I, I actually did. And and I didn't know it. But um, I, I, I was really I find the new FaceTime stuff exciting and especially how they've built this protocol that apps can tie into. I forget what do they call that group share or I, um, you know, or, diff, you know, you can have apps synchronize over a FaceTime call. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really excited to see what developers, uh, you know, I don't think that works for my app, but I, I think there's going to be a lot of, uh, a lot of cool stuff that comes out of that. Uh, I was intrigued by the private relay thing. Um, that, mm-hmm. that looks, mm-hmm. you know, really interesting and totally like, wow, where did that come from? Um, you know, just developery, they, they, you can now set a breakpoint in the middle of a line in Xcode, and that was buried in a class on, on Friday, and I jumped off the couch, and my wife was like, what are you so excited about? Um, but, you know, they, they, were, they just, the whole week was just so packed full of, uh, uh, you know, tons of, tons of little stuff that was all really great, all the stuff that, that Jeff mentioned, and... I'm sure there's more stuff that I'm 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 not thinking of. And that right to now. me I'm not, is, yeah, and that's indicative, I think, of of the, the all the keynote and all the dub dub announcements. We tend to think of it just as a keynote, but like you said, Jim, there was that that one thing that jumped you off the couch. You know, there were announcements all week as things came out, and w- even as closely as we all follow it. We can't always remember all the proper names for all these features because there were so many. So when I see the the commentary about you know well this was just sort of boring a keynote and it, it wasn't wasn't all that exciting. It's like, well until you see a list of everything that was was re, you know released or updated and even those are lists I don't think are out out there in the main press uh, in the main tech press are all that comprehensive. It's just there are so many things here. There may not have been one or two big tentpole features, unless they happen to be your tentpole, you know, but, uh, but overall, there were just so many features. Well, what would have been really disappointed with the keynote, no matter what happened, Apple could yeah. have announced free ponies, ice cream, and, uh, and balloons for, for all Apple users. And there would have been people that would have complained because it's the wrong color balloons. Yes. Yeah. I agree. But, you know, the, agree. the last two years before they did have huge, you know, basically Catalyst and Swift UI two years ago. And then last year, Apple Silicon. So, you know, they, they blew the doors off the last two years. And, and, and this year they didn't do it in that way. But, you know, how could you? You can't do that every year. And in fact, I suspect that the next few years are going to be like this year, you know, they, they they can't turn everything upside down every year, uh, nor would you want to. And, you know, one thing I've heard a lot of developers say is, wow, you know, what a relief. Like so many years, at, you know, sometimes after summer, after WWDC, you know, I, I don't get to have a summer as a developer because I've got to work so hard to get my app to ready for, you know, the new release of iOS and, and Mac OS, because there's some new, especially iOS, because there's some new thing that, you know, I've got to be caught up and try to ship on day one. And 
this year there really isn't anything like that. There's not anything that developers are like, oh, I've got to be ready for this. Um, there's a lot of stuff for developers, and there's a lot of stuff, you know, like like the, you know the health thing and the private relay. Those are really aren't for developers. They're they're for users. But, um, uh, yeah, I I I think you know this this was an exciting year. It, you know, even though it didn't, you know, it, it wasn't a revolutionary year, but you know, I, you know, and and think about it. This was like. This is Apple on pandemic, um, you know. And you look at all of, and it just kept coming. Like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh! They did that. They did that. And uh, you know, I don't know what are they going to do when they get back into the office. Yeah, makes you makes some some of us feel uh, during the pandemic maybe a little inadequate. That gee, why didn't we get that much done? I saw. <laughs> I'm not sure I'm going to say that, but I think there are a lot of people that could say that. Um, I want to break here just real quick and ask if the if the audience has any questions or whatever, uh, unmute your mic or throw it in the chat room. Um, if not, we'll just keep on rolling. So anybody? Okay, if you do, throw it in there. Um, Jeff, I did, we did have a request. Oh, this is Glenn Walker. Hello, oh, Glenn. Uh, yes. I, I typed it into the chat uh, addressed to Jim, but I didn't get a response. Uh, I can't I see the chat. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I'll, I'll read what I said. Uh, Jim, you mentioned parallels. I need to run virtualized Mac OS Mojave and currently do this on the last Intel MacBook Pro running Catalina with Parallels Desktop 16.5 Pro. If I upgrade to Big Sur or Monterey, will I still be able to run virtualized Mac OS Mojave? And I might add the reason for this I have a mission critical 32 bit app that I need to continue to run. Um, don't buy an M1 Mac. So as long as you're still using an Intel Mac, uh, you should be okay. But okay. if you if you go to an M1 M1 Mac, you will not be able to run anything um, before Big Sur, and you will not be able to run. Um, yeah, you won't be able to run 32-bit software um, on uh, on an M1 Mac on Apple Silicon. So um, you'll need to keep an Intel machine around for as long as you um, still need to use 32-bit software. Okay, appreciate the the answer. Thank you. Certainly, Jeff. We had a request in the chat room uh, to ask you to elaborate a little bit on universal control and what it is. Okay. Well, universal control is the feature that uh, when Apple showed it during the keynote, I think I said out loud, holy crap, because it fixed a huge problem for me. So universal control is a feature that lets you have your, your Mac, your iPhone and your iPad all in close proximity, just like they were, uh, uh, you know, like they're all just sitting on your desk. And then you can take content from each device and just move it to the other with drag and drop. And then the device that you're, you're dragging to, for example, now becomes the focus. So the keyboard and mouse that you're using with your Mac suddenly becomes the keyboard and mouse that you're using with your iPad. And, the, and 
So here, here's an example of how I will actually be using that feature. When I am editing videos, I will uh, be creating graphics at the same time. And even though I use Affinity Photo on my iPad, I'm actually just more efficient with the interface on my Mac simply because I'm lazy that way. So I will create the, the graphics in Affinity Photo on my Mac, and then I throw them into, uh, into iCloud Drive, where I'm then grabbing them with, uh, or on my iPad. And now I would just finish the graphic and click and drag it from my Mac right onto my iPad screen. And, uh, and, and I'll have my Mac and my iPad sitting right here in front of me as opposed to what I do now, which is my iPad sits in the other room and I get up and go over to my dining room table and work on my iPad and then come back in the office and work on my Mac, which is kind of crazy. So anyhow, it's this, it's, it's this system that dynamically links together all of your devices so that you can use them interchangeably for the task that best suits that device. And you're not having to think about which device you're switching to at any given time. It's, it's all just right in front of you and you're using what you want when you need it. Same uh, input devices across all your devices. Will in the chat room says it's as if Apple took the idea of Sidecar and really expanded on it. Yeah, it, it's it's a big expansion of Sidecar and AirDrop, and it's like taking these two features, putting them together, and then giving us what logically makes sense, which is just make our devices a, a window into the task, so we don't have to think so much about the platform; we just think about the task which kind of takes us back to the original part of the conversation about having the, the best device for the task at hand. And yes. with, with, with this, you'll be able to do that to a large degree. Now that will require you to have each one of the devices, but you know, how many people here don't have it, at least two of those devices? That was not a question you have to answer folks. Um, a couple comments here about privacy and, um, and uh, shoot, I've, I lost a private relay. Um, interestingly, that that is one of my picks for, I think one of the most exciting or interesting things, uh, and maybe most important that came out of out of DubDub, simply because privacy is becoming such a, I mean, it, you just, it seems like you can't go a week without having a privacy discussion or a security discussion of some kind, whether it's the, the pipeline hack that Linda mentioned in the news earlier, um, or whether it's something, you know, a lot more mundane. Um, but it just seems like that is now a part of our lives and it's not going to go away anytime soon. I don't know enough about private relay. It sounds a bit like a VPN, um, but, and and I know Dave Hamilton wrote up that article and Dave, and, and of course, Bart too. I, I know whether you had those both listed for your members, um, you know, great ideas, but I want security researchers to actually get their hands on this and take a good look at it and see just what it does mean. Um, I don't think any of us are ready to give up our VPNs just yet. But some of the things that Apple was talking about with throwaway email addresses and all, I mean, that that's phenomenal. And I can see personally me suddenly using my iCloud address a lot more than I ever have before because now I will have those capabilities and they're built into something that I'm already paying for and they are 
coming from Apple, which I have a lot more faith in Apple in privacy-related matters than Google, Amazon, Microsoft, definitely Facebook. There's just no way around that. So I'm, I'm anxious to find out more about this and when it gets into the wild to, to let people tear it apart and just see how secure it is. But at the very least, they're doing something. And there's the old joke that was just told on the show by uh, someone from Sophos that, you know, if, if, if Jeff and I are out camping and we see a bear, I don't have I don't have to outrun Jeff or I don't have to outrun the bear. I just have to outrun Jeff. So it's almost like we've we we've been camping, Chuck. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And knowing the wildlife you have in Boulder, Jeff, I mean, you know, I, I would imagine you could probably outrun me because you've had a lot more practice. Well, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm sorry, Chuck, but uh, you're going to be dinner. Yeah, good. Thanks. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you. <laughs> but we'll remember you fondly. I appreciate it. I'm also with Jim on shortcuts for the Mac. Um, And we've debated this on Mac Voices Live quite a bit. But I feel like this has the potential to finally bring automation to more people that were absolutely intimidated by Apple Script and were probably still intimidated by Automator. And and there there are a number of great automation packages out there for the Mac. But shortcuts seems to be have adopt have been adopted uh, on iOS so easily by so many people, and if that same u- ease of use is preserved and moved over to the Mac, uh, I can see it. I can see it being the biggest problem. Okay, this is personal thing, but the biggest problem for me with automation is trying to recognize things that can be automated, because I will have a little pattern of things I might do with an app that I don't really think about. I just do them and because that's the way it is. And a perfect example right now is I have a playlist in Overcast that is a daily playlist for some of the key podcasts out there. So every morning, what do I do? I open Overcast. I um, go to that playlist. I, I refresh the playlist so everything downloads. And then I start to play from the top down. Okay, so what is that? Three, four, five steps in there. And it never occurred to me that I could build a shortcut until pretty recently. Now I've built that shortcut and put it on the home screen. So tap once, boom, 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 boom. And I'm I'm playing that daily podcast uh, playlist. And I only had to tap once. Now that's a small thing, but I think I mentioned before that Brittany Smith has um, a a shortcut that has 400 components. And she has a, a lot of others that have a lot more components. So now I'm trying to pay more attention to myself to see how I use my iOS device. If I'm on the Mac, it becomes a lot easier because I know there are a number of things that would definitely benefit benefit from something like that. I've tried to automate them with Automator, and it just seems like something always breaks. Something isn't quite right. So, yeah, I, I see that as another, another, as Jim said, a really big thing. Chuck, I, I'm using shortcuts to overcome some uh weird limitations that I have found with, uh, with the S lady and places, situations where I shouldn't have to do this, but I can, uh, for example, if, if I say, Hey, S lady play jazz, then, uh, my home pod will pick, uh, it's called pure jazz radio. 
and that's it. And that's and it will play that one playlist. And if I want to have any variation from that, I now have to start picking uh, uh, artists and say, hey, S Lady, play Dave Brubeck or something like that. And so I thought, well, let's just see what I can do in HomeKit. Well, it turns out that uh, because you can control uh, your HomePod through shortcuts, I did that. And I set up a, a shortcut that uh, lets me pick a different playlist from, from uh, uh, Apple Music. So now, in, instead of saying, hey, S-Lady, play jazz, uh, I'm just, I just tap a button on my iPhone and I'm playing the jazz playlist that I would have preferred to have listened to instead. Which, folks, that may sound like a little thing to you, but hopefully you can see how that could be turned into a big thing. Um, at the very least, it's it's a convenience, but much more than that, I think that it it has the it will save you time. It will get you where you to where you want to go, and it's just a matter of taking that taking those few minutes, uh, maybe even seconds, to build that shortcut. And look, I get it. You're not going to you aren't versed in shortcuts yet. It's like everything else on the Mac. You had to learn it. So go out there and build some fun shortcuts. You know, take what Jeff just said. You know, decide that there's a particular playlist or something that you want to do with Apple Music and build a shortcut and get some experience with it. And then you're going to start to see the power of it, the ease of it, and what it can do for you. Jim, I, I know you've, you, you were saying shortcuts on the Mac. I mean, how, how do you see that maybe integrating with what you do? Will it be part of the the user experience, or would it be more for you in the programming and building process of your apps? Um, probably not for that, and and you know also, I, I'm not sure what it's going to be for me. I mean, for one thing, you know, my day job, you know, my app is basically a tool that people use to automate their businesses, and it's got a programming language, and people, you know, spend months essentially doing what Brittany has done to automate their databases. So, you know, that's, that's sort of, and I, I do a ton of like most of my automations are done within that. Um, I use uh, text expander, not text expander. I use keyboard maestro. I used to use text, text, text expander. And, you know, one thing that, you know, about automations is not only do you have to create them, you have to remember they exist. Um, so, for example, I've got a bunch. What the main thing I use? One of the things I use Keyboard Maestro for is I have a bunch of um, you know snippets of you know answers to common customer support questions. And so the other day I got a customer support question about how to change the email, uh, you know, a customer's email to how they're registered with us. And so I, I wrote up uh, uh, a little thing because you do it in the software itself. And I thought, well, this doesn't come up too often, but it comes up often enough that I should probably put this in, in Keyboard Maestro. So I fired up the Keyboard Maestro editor, and guess what I found? <laughs> I found Exactly what you need. <laughs> I found that I had already written one and put it in the Keyboard Maestro. <laughs> <laughs> and I completely forgot about it. <laughs> so, uh, you know, once you get more than you know a handful of these things, then part of the trick is 
you know, what, what, one of the problems with automation is you, it's an investment. You, it takes time to, you know, like, you know, you have to come up with the automation and then you have, to, if you have a lot of them, then you have to start remembering, oh yeah, I already automated this thing. So don't reinvent the wheel. Um, yeah. But, you know, you, you mentioned text expander and full disclosure, smile sponsors the show. That's not why I'm bringing it up. But folks, if, if any of you at SVMUG are running text expander, you are running automation software because yep. it's the same thing. And if you're running Keyboard Maestro, you're obviously running automation software. But people tend to think that automation, ooh, I, and it sounds scary. And it's really not. Text Expander is the is the prime example of just how easy and how useful it can be. And Jeff, you, Chuck, oh. how about uh, uh, how incredibly basic it can actually be, where people are doing it all the time and they don't even realize it. If you have gone into system preferences and set and, and use the the screensaver settings and set a time for when your screensaver automatically turns on, that's automation. Good point. If you've if you've created a hot corner. That's automation. That's automation. See you're a bunch of automators out there and you didn't even know it. <laughs> well, so the, the the reason why I'm excited about shortcuts is just that I mostly because I think that Hopefully, it's going to bring more people into automation that are going to, you know, and, you know, get people interested. So that's, that's, you know, I, I, I'm going to definitely look into it, but I don't think it's going to revolutionize. You know, I'm already doing automation various ways, and I'll just roll that into my tool set, and I'll probably find, you know, a handful of ways that will help me. But, you know, I, I think it's going to be exciting to see, you know, more people become Automation enthusiasts. Yeah. Jeff, you had another example that I've, I want to make sure you shared uh, about shortcuts because, again, I think it's a perfect example of what can be done. Um, which one? Oh, the uh, one the, that I put in the chat? Yeah. Okay. Um, and this is one I use every single day. When I'm ready to do a webinar or, uh, or a podcast, I say, hey, S lady, I'm podcasting. And what it does is it turns off the main light in my, in my office, the lights behind me that are blue turn on, and, uh, and I have a light on the hall that turns red. So if anyone comes in, they know that I'm, that I'm doing something where they need to be quiet. Also, if my home pods are streaming music, it just turns all, all of that off. So it's, it's all stuff that I could do very simply and very quickly, just manually each time. But it's something I'm doing multiple times a week. Why not have it automated? So I have a, a shortcut that does that. Well, and is that? Oh, uh, hang on, Jim. Uh, Jeff, is that is that like a, a just a keyboard shortcut, or excuse me, scratch that? Is that an iOS shortcut, or is that a Siri shortcut? It's a, it's an iOS shortcut that is. Uh, well, the answer is yes. It's both. So it's it starts with a scene that I, that I created in uh, in HomeKit. So uh, so when I so I called that I'm podcasting, and since I use it a lot, uh, Siri said, "Hey, do you want me to turn this into a Siri shortcut?" And I said, "Yes." And then at that point, 
I, I decided, well, why not, why not control the home pods at the same time? So then I just went and edited the shortcut that Siri created for me and added in the extra steps that I wanted. Got it. Sorry, Jim, you, you were going to say. Oh, that's okay. I was just, you know, that, that's a great, Jeff's got a great example and of one of the other benefits of automation that when people think of thinking about automation, a lot of times, you know, people focus on, oh, you can do multiple steps with just one step, essentially. But beyond the possible, you know, like slight savings in time or sometimes big savings, a really key thing is once you've automated something, you've also made it um, uh, so you can't screw it up. So, yes. Um, you know, in your example, like if you didn't have this automation, you might forget to turn on the red light outside your door. It's invisible to you, um, you know, but by putting it in this automation, you know that those steps are going to happen. And so in some cases, it's less important that automating is speeding something up and more important that it ensures that these steps are taken, you know, exactly every time, basically quality control. You Accuracy know. and consistency, absolutely yep. critical. Guys, we're starting to run over time. We're getting the hook. Um, so, I, But I do want to answer one question in the chat room, um, and that is where any particular place you can go to start to learn shortcuts. And I really hate to name any one place because there's so many great people out there and, and, and doing some great teaching of things. Um, Rosemary Orchard does some amazing things. She's in the U.K., and or excuse me, in Europe, and she's doing some amazing things. Probably the best place, though, to get started that won't cost you anything and you've got a lot of choices is just go to YouTube, because I just did, and type in getting started with shortcuts. And you are going to find video after video after video. Watch one. If you don't like it, go to the next one. But it'll it'll show you how to do it, what to do. And, and you know, and, and I, I think you will find it pretty exciting uh, and very, very approachable. If you're willing so, to spend a little bit of money, David Sparks' uh, shortcut series is primo. I mean, oh, he's beat really me good. He beat there me you to go. it, Jeff. <laughs> yeah, see, I, I knew it. Sorry, David. I, I knew I'd leave somebody out. Silicon uh, um, Valley, thank you so much for having us. We really, really appreciate it. I want to make sure you know where you can reach these gentlemen if you have other questions or comments. So, Jim, where can folks find you uh, when you're not here speaking and having fun with uh, Silicon Valley Mug? Um, uh, Proview.com, P-R-O-V-U-E.com is my company. I, I have a, a Macintosh database program. And um, and then also you can find me on Twitter at ProviewJim, same odd spelling, P-R-O-V-U-E. Um, so you can find me there. Great. Thank Thanks so much for coming, Jim. Thanks. Mr. Nice Gamut, where, yeah, where can folks find you? I am Jay Gamut on Twitter and Instagram, so I'm very easy to find there. Also, uh, on my new YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash jgamut. And uh, I'm, I'm going to say you actually need to go check that out because there were several stories in your, in your news uh, section at the beginning of uh, of the meetup uh, of the user group where uh, I was thinking, oh yeah, you should watch the video I did on that. So go, go check out my YouTube channel. Yeah, Jeff, thanks so much. And yeah, folks, you definitely really should go and watch some of Jeff's videos. Absolutely. 
I'm Chuck Joyner. This is Mac Voices. Uh, you can find us uh, Tuesday nights doing Mac Voices live on YouTube at youtube.com slash Mac Voices TV, where Jim and Jeff and a bunch of uh, our friends get together and abuse me on a weekly basis <laughs> for their enjoyment. So you can come and enjoy that too. Until the next time, and as always, thanks for watching. And Silicon Valley, thank you so much for having us. We really, really appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. Visit macvoices.com for show notes and to connect with Chuck on social media. Get involved in our Facebook group or like our Facebook page and get more out of your Apple tech with Mac Voices Magazine, free on Flipboard and on the web. And if you find value in it all, consider supporting us through either our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash macvoices or by making a one-time donation via the PayPal link on our front page and in the show notes of each episode. You will join these fine people who help bring you Mac Voices. Advertising handled by Backbeat Media at backbeatmedia.com. Bandwidth provided by Cashfly at cashfly.com.